Welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's Mo Pawn. Yeah. yeah. And with me as always is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly. Bow, bow, Number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow, bow. Mo, it's February, the month of love. I ain't feeling no love. Well, you should be feeling love because our wonderful No Budget Nightmares audience, they're always sending us love and support. And you know, I just wanted to take a little time at the top of this show. To say that I love them very much. I have a uh, platonic fondness for them, yeah. Well, for me, it goes way past that. Way, <laughs> way past that. In a there's way. A couple, there's a couple, I, you know. Yeah, you masturbate to the thought of them. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. That's yeah, okay. Yeah. Because we have, again, it, it is mutual. I, I really do believe that. And I'm so yeah. happy to be back on this episode of No Budget Nightmares, Mo. I'm so glad to be back with you. Oh, was I supposed to say something? Uh, yes, I am also incredibly happy to be here with you, And the people, Doug. they love it because, they love listening because of the, uh, the the back and forth that we have. As soon as I finish a question <laughs> or a statement, you just jump in there and everyone knows what to expect out of it, which is this banter that we're doing right now. Yes. If this is your first time listening to No Budget Nightmares... <laughs> The podcast. Uh, let me explain. I, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say I should assure you that I'm not normally this incompetent. But go, yeah, go. Ahead. Believe it or not, Mo has, not only has slept, he uh, is as awake as he's ever been, and you probably won't even be hearing That's him. One, that is 100 percent false. I am tired as fuck right now. <laughs> well, be that as it may, he's even like he's vaping while we're talking right now, and we can't even hear it because Mo, what's this device that you have? Oh, it's called the Jewel, J U U L. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, it's, I mean, it's just, you know, it's a diff, it's a different, you know, device than I normally use, and it's, it's a lot quieter. So, like, instead of normally, like, you'll hear this, you know, like that, uh... that buzzing noise, um, and then of course the, the, you know, sound. Um, this is much, much more stealthy. My, my brother has a couple of those, and yeah. um, we call them the, the family jewel. <laughs> I, my brother does not babe. um yeah. moving on <laughs> mo we're here i, I was going to explain to the audience the audience of no budget nightmares what this show is all about if this is your first time listening what we do mo and myself is we talk about micro budget or ultra low budget or no budget cinema in really intense detail uh to the point where even if it's a very good movie by the end of watching it both mo and i can't stand it and never need to watch the movie. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> it's one hundred percent true. <laughs> I've, I've gotten the feeling, especially over the last say six to ten episodes, that I can't even necessarily judge the quality of the movie while I'm watching it. I only yeah. get a sense of how much I enjoyed it after we're finished talking about it. 
that's one that is a hundred percent fact. Yeah. Until I've had a nice discussion about the movie, I don't even know. I was actually just talking about that to my coworker the other day, how I've been called out um about about flip-flopping on my views of movies and it's like and it's like yeah but that's the thing though it's like i'll watch the movie and i'll feel this intense pain and like agony while watching the movie and then we'll talk about it and yeah i'll still be remembering that agony but when we're done talking about it all i remember is how much fun we had talking about it so then so then i go from i go from hating the movie to being like yeah that wasn't so bad Uh, on the flip side sometimes i'll go into our conversation thinking ah it wasn't so bad and then i realize about halfway through that in reality, it was just that the movie was only 65 minutes. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, Mo, that's not going to be a problem today because we have a full, a full-length feature film that we're discussing today. Right. And what is that movie, Mo? Uh, what are we talking about today? Oh, we're talking about Monstered. Monstered from the year 2003. Yes. Directed by Rick Popko and Dan West, also written by both of them, and they actually feature in the movie as Officer Rick and Officer Dan as well. Yeah, see, I was at I was here. My thing was I was on the No Budget Nightmares uh, website, nobudgetpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. and I because I wanted to see what number episode we're on. This is episode ninety one, by the way. Holy shit! Uh, yeah, so we're we're quickly approaching that. You know, it'll be like another like six months, and we'll hit the number hundred. <laughs> um, see, see, that's a joke. It'll actually be much sooner than that but will it though uh, it'll it'll be it'll be four months but um i I thought it was funny that you waited literally 91 episodes to tell the audience what we're about (laughs) well i figured that now that you've had a bit of background on sort of our attitude towards movies this is Uh, where we're really starting this is technically it's episode 91 but in reality it's the first episode, episode of no, yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. The first, the first it, well, that's typically how it goes with podcasts. The first ninety episodes are practice. Welcome to No Budget Nightmares, the podcast about kooky, fun, quirky, low budget cinema. And sometimes not all of those apply. No, they do not. And but this time they kind of do. I was going to say in, in this in this particular case they do. Now let me tell you about Monster the movie, Mo. You see, this is a movie about a giant piece of killer shit. Yeah, I, I took a killer shit earlier today. It was oh. awesome. Now, there's a good reason that I chose this movie for us to watch, Mo. Do you know what that is? Um, Because it features a man in a giant poop costume? Well, that's part of it, certainly. But also because this is part one of a two-part series. And the sequel, Retarded, is a movie yeah. that I saw several years ago. And not only did I see it, Mo, I also... Uh, re- uh, uh, <clears throat> I... Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I also interviewed the directors at that time. I interviewed Rick Ah. Popko and Dan West, and I interviewed them for the site dailygrindhouse.com, which is what I used to write for and which this show used to be on. Yes. But there's a little funny story behind it. It's not so funny, and I want to make sure that I don't present it as if I think anyone did anything wrong in this case. It was really just a weird circumstance. Mm -hmm. But what happened is I reviewed this movie, which I enjoyed very much, and then I interviewed the directors, but before I sent it off to the editor of the site, I sent him a quick email saying, you know, uh, I want to make sure that it's okay that uh, the the title of the movie is this and it's going to be presented. And the reason I did this is because um, he had a son with special needs and I didn't want it to be offensive at all. Now, I know right. that sounds to some of our 
audience that it's like, what, what dog is being such a pussy? Well, let me tell you something, folks. It's actually being a decent human being. That's what I was trying to do. <laughs> right. 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 Uh, I was trying to have some forethought into what was going to happen. And at first he was like, of course, you know, the, our site will feature stuff like that. But then actually he changed his mind, which is completely fair because uh, it had something to do with a family um, group that he was a part of. And he was really worried that having that word connected to uh, his name could actually hurt him within this group. And I understood it entirely. So I, I then put the uh, interview on my own personal blog instead, right. which is fine. But I will say that both uh, Rick and Dan were a little bit peeved, I think, about that decision, especially because uh, that the movie itself, despite its title, is actually really sensitive to people with special needs. But I don't think right. that was necessarily the point or the, the difficulty that we were running into at the time. So I don't know necessarily if they uh, hold any animosity towards me, but uh, I felt like it was a little bit of an unfortunate circumstance. But that's a little bit of the behind the scenes aspect, because I've always been very curious about what Monster was all about. Right. Thanks well, for the now, insight, tired Mo. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what, what do you want me to say? You said everything. <laughs> I said I, I, what I want is your feedback. It's like did my my feed? No, no. I think I think. I mean, personally, you know, you do what you got to do. If the you know, un unfortunately, the, the 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 guy who was running the other site, you know, said, "Hey, maybe not such a great idea," and you know, you got to go with that. Yeah. And the editor of the site, so, by the way, makes those decisions, and it's yeah. not. You can argue it all you want, but at the end of the day, the buck stops there, and I have no animosity towards that at all. The, the interview still exists. You can still do a search. It's actually a really fun, good interview. Check that out if you're curious at all about Retard Dead, which uh, until recently was on Netflix. I don't know if it's still there, but it's it's a movie definitely worth checking out. And in fact, the movie that we're going to be talking about today, Monstered, is available to watch for free on YouTube, legally. And, you know, as you'll soon learn after this episode is done, maybe you might want to go do that. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping right to the end. Well, Mo, you don't even know what. Yeah, your, yeah, yeah. You don't even know what your opinion is yet. That's true. I'm not going to have any idea what I think about this movie until two weeks from now when somebody asks me. Uh, hey, maybe I didn't like that movie after all. Maybe, maybe I didn't like that movie. Mo, how does the movie Monstered begin? Um. All right. So I mean, I, <laughs> you know, so we get the the normal, you know, like production company credit, blah blah blah, title, and then we get an establishing shot. Of a house. But it's not a house. That That's true. It is not a house. <laughs> it is very much a miniature. And um, a... Uh, you know what? I'll give them credit for the miniature. Uh, they probably should have sprayed uh, the <laughs> fog, you know, like the, the fog cloud onto the house, like into this shot before they started filming. Because there is a very, very noticeable uh, fog machine spray right off camera, you know, and it's 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 it pulls you right out of the shot. I, I actually love the miniature shot at the beginning because yeah. it's so unnecessary, right? I mean, it's just it's, a house, right? There's no yeah. need really to do a miniature shot here, but they did right. it anyway. So Godspeed to you, creators of Monster. <laughs> it's true. And not to mention the fact, how fucking hard would it have been to just wait until a night when it's raining and grab a shot of a house. Especially considering yeah. that apparently this movie was shot over a two-year period. So, right. I mean, unless you're in lovely, sunny, I don't know, Florida, you're probably going to encounter some sort of storm between now and then. Yeah, there's plenty of storms in Florida. Mm -hmm. so, you know, 
Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, it's, 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 it's a superfluous shot. Uh, but I mean, honestly, I think it's a great way to start the film. I actually think the shot's a little too short, you know, it's cause it's, it's like a flash. It's like, here's a house and then bam, you're inside. Let's talk about the first opening shot of the movie for as long as humanly possible. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we go inside the house, Mo. What's inside the house? Uh, inside the house is a little girl in her bed. Hmm. And it, her father, I presume, um, or dirty uncle, I uh-huh. but uh, <laughs> she asks him to to tell her a story. In fact, and he, oh, sorry, she says uh, it in, yeah. in this form. Daddy, I can't sleep. Can you tell me a bedtime story? I'm always telling you a bedtime story, Munchkins. Why don't you tell me a bedtime story for a change? He wants the bedtime story told to him. Munchkins. Yeah, yeah, Munchkins. <laughs> Completely natural way to refer to your, I guess, child, or possibly, as you were suggesting, um, Ab- abductee. Abductee. Very good. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, yeah, Munchkins. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I actually kind of dig the fact that he flips the script on her and like and throws it back, you know, throws the ball back into her court. It's like, no, 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 bitch, you tell me the story. So this movie has a framing story of this little girl yeah. telling this story, a la that episode of the Cosby Show where uh, Rudy tells a story about and has all of her family members in it. Um, mm. <laughs> I'm sure everyone remembers that. Um, I don't. <laughs> I'm over here jamming on the ones. So. <laughs> But uh, so that's the framing story. I will say, Mo, I, I'm not a fan of this framing story because I don't feel like it plays into the structure of the movie very well. And I don't like how it ends. It's unnecessary. The, fr- the framing story is horribly unnecessary. But I actually do like the fact that it's the little girl telling the story because because it does get that that, uh, you know, that subversive sort of flipping of, of the idea of, of a of a parent you know, or guardian uh, telling their kid a story, but instead it's the little girl. And because as you watch the film, like, you know, it does like, unfortunately it does take you out of it a little bit because you're what you're watching the story thinking to yourself, this is all coming from the mind of a weird little girl. Yeah, It explains the immaturity aspect of it. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. (laughs) And this is a very immature movie. And I, I, I hope that the audience is not surprised to hear that considering it's a movie called, Monstered. I had to explain to uh, to to somebody the other day uh, about the the title of the film because I said monsterd, and they didn't get that it was about like a turd monster. Mm. They thought it was M O N S T E R E D, like that you had become monster. Oh, you know, and I'm like, no, 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 it's T U R D. And as soon as they got it, they started laughing because they're horribly immature. But they're the also classic not, they're also meaning two monster. <laughs> yeah, 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 two two monster. You know, I, you'll have to excuse me. I've been monstered. But uh, but yeah, they they once they got the idea, they 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 jumped on board with the idea of the film a whole lot more. <laughs> it it really depends on the person you're talking to whether they jump on board at that point. Trust me, if you're my friend, you're probably going to enjoy the idea a lot more, thinking that it's a shit monster. So this little girl starts her story. And the story itself takes place, where does it take place, Mo? In Butte County. Now, it took me until, like, there's a moment in Come a couple on, of Mo. minutes. What? <laughs> How could it take you any time to get why it's called Butte County? No, no, no. I get, I get that why it's called Butte County. I didn't hear her say Butte County 
you know, it, but so it wasn't until the, 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 the title popped up that said Butte County, whatever, that I realized that that was the title of it. And then of course I got a nice little chuckle out of that. Um, you know, because for anybody who doesn't know Butte spelled, butt, basically, um, I thought she said puke County, like uh. P-U-K-E and I'm, Cause her, she's doesn't she doesn't enunciate, you know. So it's like it's a little hard to ta- tell what she's saying. I'm sometimes. just gonna put it out there, Mo. Little girls suck. Yeah, little girls are the worst. They're fucking awful. And keep them out of my low budget movies, please. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't work with kids or animals. So Butte County is a uh, lovely, serene, hardworking locale full of very wholesome looking people. Mm-hmm. But we do learn from this uh, this little girl. Ugh, this little girl. Is it is it really though when you think about it because like honestly the, of the characters in this town that we really meet there's like there's a guy there's there's an evil scientist there's a bunch of inept cops there's a woman uh who's verbally abusive to her husband mm-hmm. and then he in turn attacks a toilet in response you know it's like really honestly of of the people we meet in this town None of them are particularly nice. Look, look, there's a few bad apples in any group, right? Sure. But most, most of what you're complaining about, I would just say that's a, that is locker room talk. Oh, okay. So it's okay. Yeah. I mean, really, the standards of what is and isn't wholesome have changed so much over the last six months. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so just outside of town, Mo, we learned that there's the Dutech Corporation. Yes. And what are they up to? Ah, you know, doing stuff, evil shenanigans. There's an evil Dr. Stern. Yes. And he is doing, I guess, various uh, uh, tests and experiments in order to create... It's not made too clear, but I guess it's some sort of mutant creature type thing. Yeah, yeah I don't think the idea was to create a shit monster. Right. Uh, but it's actually really funny. In my notes here, I say, we see some guys in a lab... We see some guys in lab coats doing some science looking shit. <laughs> yeah, because like it's not clear at all. There, there's no real like you get the establishing shots showing the Dutech sign and all that, but it's not really clear at all what the fuck they're doing. Because it looks like a chemical refinery or like you know like a processing plant. You know, it doesn't look like a lab. Look, I was still very very impressed that they had access to this location. Sure, <laughs> and, sure. And most absolutely. of the locations, including one that's just about to come up, I, I will say that even though this movie obviously took a long time to be completed, they were really going all out on trying to get the most production value that they could. And they succeed. So Dr. Stern is evil. He's trying to create mutant creatures to sell to the government for a tidy profit. Um, Mm. And we do see a guy looking at green fluid in front of a periodic table, which that would suggest to me that he's scientific. Indeed. We go from this to the Hardell security prison. Mo, it's a prison. What what is a prison? No, I said Mo. It's a prison. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we cut to we cut to the prison and uh, we now do we initially see the inmate escaping or no 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 we don't we see we see in the cell uh, <laughs> the single worst like replacement dummy. Like, like they basically Ferris Bueller the situation, you know? They put the dummy in the bed and... <laughs> Do not even cover the head. <laughs> yeah, they don't even cover the head. Nothing at all. And this is how idiotic... This is how easy it must have been for this person to escape. Because the guard goes into the cell to wake the guy up. 
shines a light in the thing's face <laughs> and taps it a couple of times before it real before he realizes that oh no this guy's escaped <laughs> it's amazing i love it so much like for one it, thing, it is amazing this takes place in a real prison which is unbelievable yeah. that they had access to it but there's this the dummy is so ridiculous looking and you're right the security guard has to go right up to it <laughs> and tap it a couple of times before he realizes <laughs> it's just fucking paper mache and the prisoner by the way his name is jack schmidt Oh, yeah. Now, Mo, I don't know if you realize this, but the name... I, I catch the joke in this one, too, yes. Well, in case our audience doesn't, Jack Schmidt yeah. sounds a lot like Jack Shit. Whoa. And this movie actually involves a lot of shit. It involves a ridiculous amount of shit. So, so uh, they do uh, sort of do... Oh, fucking Christ. <clears throat> <laughs> so the security guard calls, I guess, the, the governor of the prison. Is that what they call him? The governor? <laughs> The the warden. The warden of the prison, yes, yes like Shawshank. And uh, he then puts out an APB <laughs> on this uh, Jack Schmidt character who was Well the escaped. guy wanted the, the guy wanted to get living, you know, and so he wouldn't get dying. I don't know. Jack Schmidt went through a tunnel of shit. <laughs> maybe this was maybe that was the inspiration for this movie. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, back at the lab, Dr. Stern is doing some investigations of his own. He's looking into a microscope where he sees cells replacing and dividing and whatnot. Very scientific work. Yeah. I was yawning. Sorry. <laughs> I was thinking for a second, you know what? That's the thing about this silent vaping system is that I can't tell when Mo's fucking vaping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, actually none of the, none of these pauses have been me vaping at all. I've just been uh, dazed or yawning. Back at the FBI field office in Baltimore, Maryland. <laughs> there's a, there's a great, there's a great fucking moment on this one that I love where they like, so, so we're basically following a guy as he walks through the facility and uh, as he approaches a security door, he basically just rubs his wallet on it, which is fucking fantastic. <laughs> you know, and the door opens up for him. I'm like, that's that's fucking great. He really does go through like an endless series of halls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to get to the office of Agent Susan Hannigan. And he, he alerts her to the fact that Jack Schmidt has escaped from his prison cell. And they're going to send her to Butte County. Uh, and he gives her a dossier about everything that's going on, which I imagine the dossier just says Jack Schmidt escaped from prison because what else do they know at this point? Yeah, well, I mean, they well they know way more than we do in theory, but because I think she asked for his file, right? Or or he he preemptively predicts that she's going to ask for his file. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, because because we learn later, of course, that Susan Hannigan, the agent, she was actually the person who busted Jack Schmidt in the first place. Indeed. We then cut to Jack Schmidt running through the woods in his attempt to escape. And this is beautiful because he keeps falling over plants for no reason at all. It's really funny. (laughs) Then we go back to Dr. Stern, who is talking to a female scientist. And uh, while he's talking to her, there's a red alert behind a piece of glass. Um, Because (laughs) the woman says something like, he doesn't know what he's doing. And she runs into the room, which uh, makes her start to... It's a little... Hard to explain. She basically liquid and goo starts appearing on her face, sort of shit looking uh material. Yeah, it's very clearly shit looking material. Yeah. And she falls against the glass and starts screaming. And he, instead of seeing seeming horrified by it, by it, he seems like he's very like he's interested. He's like, What is this? What can I do? How can I profit on this? Because we like the kickbacks. We're uh 
American uh, political figure. <laughs> They're American scientific figures. Whatever. You. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, by the way, this then cuts to uh, the FBI agent, uh, uh, Susan Hannigan, getting onto an actual helicopter. It's pretty fucking rad. Like, I was not expecting to see an actual helicopter. Um, I got a huge fucking kick out of uh, her, like, them, like, looking through the file. Because they're basically just flipping pages around like it's fucking nothing. And, like, by the time they get to the helicopter, like, the dossier that she has is is half the size (laughs) than when she started. I do have to say that if you are making a low-budget piece of cinema and you have access to a helicopter in any way, shape, or form, you take advantage of that. because Yeah, you fucking use it. Yeah, and also, you know, once you're up in the air, maybe you can take a few shots. Sure. <laughs> What's going on? Get get the most value out of what you're doing. Indeed. So back at the science lab, Dr. Stern takes the body of that female scientist and he puts it into a barrel. And the last thing he does is he takes the ring off his finger, its finger just to show that he's a bad guy. Yeah, he's a terrible, terrible human being. Meanwhile, the police dogs are looking for Jack Schmidt. But they ain't finding Jack Schmidt. Oh, we do. Uh, we are witness to a conversation between three, I guess, police officers or guards of some sort. Uh, and I did get this audio because I thought it sounded absolutely ridiculous. All right. So he's heading due east and he's on foot. Where the hell he thinks he's going. Hell's exactly where he's going if I get a shot at him. <laughs> so that's that guy apparently is going to kill him if he finds that's that's the level of quality audio that <laughs> that makes it into this episode. Now, what do you think about the quality of acting in the film, Monstered? I think that the most brilliant thing that these guys did was base this as a little as a story from a little girl, because these guys can act, say, or do whatever they want, and it's completely justified because it's all the imagination of a little girl. I feel so, like, I feel like that's almost a retrofit, you know? It's like you watch it. No, no, no. <laughs> I I totally feel like it was a retrofit, but it's it was sort of a genius move because now like uh, who cares if the if the acting ain't that great, you know? It's it's a story from a little girl. We're then introduced to Officer Dan, one of our lead characters played by uh, one of the co-directors, Dan West. He is running out of his car and peeing. Yeah. So these guys are basically like the comic relief in the film. They're like those wacky Keystone cops. Wah, wah. Right? <laughs> but the, they do add a lot of... I mean, this movie is a very blatant uh, comedy, but um, they're kind of goofier characters than most of the people they run into. Yeah. So they, uh, his partner, Officer Rick, gets a call that they're looking for somebody, and uh, Dan runs back to the car, and they take off. By the way, they have access to an actual police car in this movie, which is also pretty impressive. Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, like, again, the production value on this on this film is, I mean, it's really well done. Oh, I, I, I guess I don't really have any other points, just that, <laughs> that the production value is, is high. <laughs> we go back to Dr. Stern, who is, remember he put his, um, his female scientist lady who had melted into a bucket. Well, I remember. He is now pouring the contents of that bucket into a drain on the side of the road, and he's doing this with the help of his assistant, Timmy and Timmy, he is not happy about what Doctor Stern is doing. Yeah, I was gonna say this. It's it really makes me laugh that they have the argument about whether or not they should dump the barrel, 
after they dump the barrel. Yeah, right? It's like, you really shouldn't be doing this. It's like, well, I just fucking like, did yeah, it. No, I just fucking did it, so whatever. I like that the contents of the barrel, once it's all poured down the drain, the only thing that's left of the woman is somehow is her skull. Yeah, it's like her skull and like some weird like piece of cloth. I did also like that the uh, assistant guy's name is Timmy because it reminded me of that classic ABC sitcom Dinosaurs, which featured a scientist whose uh, assistant was named Timmy and would sometimes explode, and then he would say, we're going to need another Timmy. <laughs> then we cut to my favorite thing that happens in all low-budget pieces of cinema, which is a news broadcast. A news broadcast. This is a particularly... One of these days... Mm-hmm. Hold on, hold on. One of these days... I probably this will probably never happen, <laughs> but I'm but I'm gonna throw this out there and say one of these days I want to do a supercut of all of the newscasts from all of the movies that we've covered in this thing, you know, and like I don't even know how we would do it because I feel like the second we put it on YouTube it would get flagged forty times, but like I feel like it's because it's mutually one of our favorite things you know, uh, that happens in no budget films that there needs to be some record of like every low budget film newscast that we cover. I mean, I I have breached that very idea before and you're right. It would be a lot of work. I mean, really the first thing that you'd want to do is take the bloody nightmare set, rip it all, and then uh, go through those movies uh, and, and just take it from there. That's a good starting point. Probably out of those 100 movies, you'd have like 70 news broadcasts, if not more. Uh, so, you know, it, it's a good place to start. But like you said, it could get flagged. But most <laughs> honestly, will. most of the movies that uh, we're talking about are not the kind that are likely that YouTube is going to give a shit whether there are going to be clips of them on it or not. Especially because these clips yeah, would be true. probably less than 10 seconds each, right? Yeah. Eh. Yeah. yeah. This particular news broadcaster is a rather dull gentleman. And he keeps coming back, too, which he is keeps the best part. Uh, and he is just basically reporting that Jack Schmidt has escaped from the high defender ward of the prison. You got you got to give them credit though. Like these guys did it right. And we've mentioned this before. The 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 right way to do newscasts in these in these sort of films is it has to be an on the scene report. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, but but these guys even went so far as to get shots of the cameraman, you know, which is awesome. It's fucking brilliant because now it's like instead of just seeing the reporter, which they do do a couple of times, no sure. pun intended there with the doo doo. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, <laughs> but uh, uh-huh. yeah, but the but the fact that they show the cameraman like just adds that much more. Anyway, yeah, it does. It absolutely does. It, it, yeah. it it's just this movie always goes a bit of a step beyond what it needed to do to be kind of yeah. your standard micro budget movie. Absolutely. So then we are now introduced to the uh, the employees of the Butte County Police Department, and specifically. We're introduced to the sheriff. He's talking to, uh, I guess, a couple of agents of some sort when FBI agent Susan Hannigan arrives. And um, he puts a donut in his mouth because he was eating a donut so he can shake her hand. So so let me ask you a question. Yes, sir. Doug. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that he's a cop and knowing that he has a donut, what do you suppose this guy's name would be? Uh... See, dirty cop, no donut. <laughs> uh, what? His name is Duncan. Oh, I get it. Like Dunkin' yeah. Donuts, the popular donut chain in the United States. Exactly. Well, anyway, 
<laughs> we do get a quick shot of Jack Schmidt going into what is apparently a maintenance tunnel, but really is just kind of like a big cave. Um, and a lot of the movie takes place in these big caverns. I don't know what where it actually was, but it's a pretty terrific location. It is a great location. That said, what happens now is very confusingly edited. I didn't understand where the characters were coming from because suddenly we see Officer Rick and a woman going through the tunnels, but there was no real transition for Rick and Dan actually going into these tunnels. Right. So it's, I think it's just one of those sacrifices that you make when you're filming something over a two-year period. Basically. Rick does say there's some shit down here, some green, slimy shit. Ooh. <laughs> so Dan then calls the sheriff he's in the tunnels as well and he's reporting that they're down in the sewer and they have a little bit of back and forth uh, that's of course comedic humorous I would say which is this now <laughs> Dan <laughs> calls the oh sheriff. the cops the cops in the sewers yes 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 sorry <laughs> sorry are you recording a different podcast at the same time yeah 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 yeah. I've got I've got Brandon on the other uh, <laughs> on the other line <laughs> So he calls the sheriff, and they have uh, this conversation. You're in the sewer? <laughs> yeah, but it's not what you're thinking. This time we chased the guy down here. Sorry, I thought that was really amusing. The idea that they apparently end up in the sewer a lot for reasons that are not chasing a guy down there. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, so they did chase Jack Schmidt into the tunnel. Um, they um, eventually catch up with him, Rick and this woman. Uh, who, do you know who this woman is supposed to be? Which woman? The woman that Rick is with who ends up uh, shooting Jack Schmidt. Oh, no, I have no fucking clue. I mean, I guess it's it's the FBI agent, but there's no real transition to how she ends up getting here. Right, exactly. But anyway, she shoots Jack Schmidt. They track him down. She shoots him, and he falls into, like, some sewer water. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that absolutely is. Uh, that is uh, Hannigan. Yeah, I don't, I don't really uh, understand how she ended up getting there. Yeah, because there's no, there's no shots... That tying her to having arrived, or even like meeting these guys, right? And it's, yeah. it certainly doesn't make any sense that Dan would then have to report to the sheriff that they were down there if he, if the sheriff sent her to go there, right? So anyway, Jack Schmidt's face melts off. Um, <laughs> and we don't really see anything. We just see him covered in goo or covered in sewer water, and then suddenly he's just a skeleton. I love the fact that they call it sewer water. It's sewer water. Yeah, you know what that is made out of. Now, why did he melt in the sewer water? Because it ain't pee. It ain't pee. What is it? It's the uh, the remnants of the barrel that was dumped over by Stern. Right. right. Exactly. So now all of our plots are starting to come together, and that's very reassuring. Wah, wah, wah. So uh, later at the Butte County Sewage Treatment Plant... <laughs> so Dr. Yeah. Stern and Timmy go to the sewage treatment plant because what they had heard from the sheriff is that a suspicious substance ended up there at the plant, and they're worried that it's going to get linked back to them. So what they do is Dr. Stern shoots one of the workers there with a dart of some sort. Yeah, right. He takes his manifest, and he drains a big tank with the idea that it's going to cleanse uh, any evidence that could link him to it. Exactly. Then we go to a breakfast place, Mo. Breakfast. Do you like breakfast? I am a fan, yes. Now, Mo, are you a regular breakfast eater? No. No. Is it because of your work hours? Yeah, yeah, because breakfast for me is 11 p.m. What's an ideal breakfast for you? Uh, you know, whatever. I like, uh, you know, bacon, eggs, bagels, waffles, that sort of shit. Mo, what separates a pancake from a flapjack? I have no fucking clue. Okay, are they the same I, I, thing? I, 
No, I think they're att- essentially the same thing. I mean, maybe one's done with like baking powder versus whatever. I, I, I honestly I have no clue. So Sheriff Duncan is talking to the waitress there, and they're just having a little back and forth about Jack Schmidt, sort of reinforcing what's been going on in the movie up to this point. Yeah, uh, and, and this conversation gets really weird. Like it goes in such a weird, uh, such an odd direction than where you would expect it to go. It's. I would say that if I was say editing this movie and I needed to remove some scenes for pacing purposes, this might be the first one to go because it serves no purpose. Yeah, well, it also doesn't help that they only have like a seventy-six minute film. So, well, what are you going to do know? though? Yeah, cut, cutting cutting a full scene out. I mean, you're you're quickly encroaching on the not exactly full length feature length. Well said, Mo. <laughs> yeah. So they, my my brain is so fucking off tonight. It's, so they have a conversation that quickly, this might be the this might be the funniest episode we ever do because I'm not going to say a right thing at all this entire show. Oh, I'm sure everyone will be able to understand what's going on. Uh-huh. So they have a conversation that rapidly gets more flirty and more filthy as it goes along. Right. In fact, it ends up sounding like this. You old sweet talker. How about taking a dozen glazed old-fashioned when you go? I know Dan and Rick like them. About you sit on my face and make me look like a glazed donut. Ain't no cop worth his badge that doesn't take your donuts home, honey. Anytime, honey. Ooh. Ooh. Weird. (laughs) It's actually a little weird. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of oddly uncomfortable. like state-sanctioned sexual harassment yes indeed so so, uh then the fbi agent uh hannigan is looking through a microscope and it's uh or it's or or actually i think it's a different fbi agent at this point um and he's looking at no no this is this is this is hannigan discussing it with johnny johnny that's right um and they realize that what they're looking at is cellular bacteria and it's crossbred with chromosomes from schmidt's body um, and I like that the guy, the, the dude, Johnny is eating pudding while he's fucking looking. Okay. Yeah. Did you, did you think while you were watching this, that that was going to lead to something horrible? Oh, because of the pudding? Yeah, absolutely. In every like, other movie I, it would have. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, I, I, even in my notes, I said, I said, there's a pudding cup sitting next to the sample. This cannot end well. And then nothing happened. It, again, this is a very oddly paced movie in a lot of ways. It's a little bit disjointed because even this sequence, you know, we just saw them remove any evidence. We thought Dr. Stern removed all the evidence of this water existing, but apparently they did have a sample. In fact, I remember, uh, if I recall correctly, when they shoot Jack Schmidt, there's a, a bit of dialogue that says, like, I'm going to get a sample. But the thing is, if they have the sample, then all that aspect of Dr. Stern draining the tank, it doesn't really matter. They have the evidence that they need. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> a worker, we see a worker going through the sewer tunnels and he hears a growling sound, Mo, and that is not something that you want to hear in the sewers at all. Right. And, and he does the exact opposite of what you should do. And he goes towards it. Yes. And in fact, while he's searching for what's making the sound, he ends up discovering a large piece of shit and he makes the classic motion of P.U. as if it smells bad, which is odd because he's in a sewer. Yeah, I imagine the whole fucking place smells like shit. Well, I mean, honestly, it could just be like a water runoff. Uh, That's a good pipe, point. It's a good point. Which, it, it, yeah, like I don't, I don't know if you've ever been down in a sewer before, but I have, and water runoff pipes don't smell that bad at all. All right. Well, I'll take the, your word for it. Yeah, yeah. Because when I <laughs> so sometimes when I was doing pest control, sometimes you'd have to like go in really weird places, and that was I, that was one of my 
weirder places. So the guy examines this piece of shit, and then suddenly uh, he, he sees a larger, like a giant pile of shit. He goes very close right. to it, and then two arms shoot out of it and grab him. Yep. What You know what's kind of notable about Monster is that it actually isn't that violent of a movie. Uh, yeah, right. Because every time somebody gets attacked, it the, really all that really happens to them, with the exception of this one, uh, where where it actually shows the guy being grabbed. Uh, more often than not, it's just buckets of brown liquid yeah. being poured on people. Yeah, it's 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 not as explicit. Like there is gore, but it's really the after effects of attacks more than anything. Right, else. right, right, right. So now we get a little bit of light frivolity, Mo. We go back to the uh, sheriff's office where Dan and Rick, the two officers. Uh, they have what appears to be a puppet with a joint in its mouth. This scene made me laugh quite a bit. I have to say. Why is that, Mo? I don't know. It's, I just I I got a huge kick out of it. Well, pl- play the play the clip because this is what I'm going to be talking. Well, about. it requires a little bit of setup, which is just that the That's officers true. have this puppet with for the purpose of bringing to schools to yeah. teach the children about drug use. Yeah, and like one of the guys, you know, uh, recommends that maybe they should put a syringe in its arm, you know, uh, thinking that that would work, that would look better as well. But what they end up saying is this. And by the way, the voice of the puppet is done by Rick, and we can see him doing the voice. Yeah. Rick made him up like a junkie scumbag. You can end up just like me, a smelly, unemployed, don't smoking dick weed, living off other people's spare change, and shooting up public restrooms. Groovy. Little punk. You can't do shit to me, you pig fucker. What'd you say to me, you little punk bitch? You got something to say to me? Yeah, I got rights, man. Oh, you want some rights? I'll give you some fucking rights. You have the right to remain silent. I want a lawyer. You want a fucking lawyer? How about this? What? How do you like that, huh? You think that's really fucking funny, hippie freak, you fucking... Huh? Yeah, you got a problem with that, motherfucker? Goddamn piece of shit. You got a piece of shit. God. You, you want some of this, you motherfucker? You want a fucking goddamn... It goes so over it, the it, top. Now, I put a clip of this over on our uh, No Budget Nightmares Facebook group so people can see it themselves if you want to head over there right now. Um, the great Mike Sullivan, writer for Shock Cinema Magazine, he suggested that it probably went on a little too long but I actually think in the full clip, when it keeps going, it goes back into being funny again because it goes yeah, yeah, for yeah. so fucking long. Right, exactly. It, it, it fulfills the ultimate tenet of, com- of what I call comedy torture, you know, where a bit goes on for so long that it loops back around again to being funny. And, like, honestly, I love that clip. I think that's fucking fantastic. I think it's hilarious. I think it's the funniest moment in the entire movie. I think it's uh, the second funniest moment in the movie, Mo. Yeah, you're, pro- you're probably right, but I'm, I'm probably forgetting something because of my brain damage right now. But the funny thing is, Mo, that, uh, that the other thing I love about, uh, like my, the other sequence that I find really funny is based on the same kind of humor. And we're going to be getting to that in just a few minutes. I did want to point right. out, by the way. But I, do, but I love the fact that it's, it's, it's a guy talking to a <laughs> puppet on his hand that he's controlling the voice for. Well, you might recall, Mo, that we've covered another movie on this uh, program, on our podcast, where someone talks to a puppet that's on his own hand, and that puppet also is a stoner puppet, and I was surprised to see that I was unconsciously influenced by this when we were writing Rock, Paper, Scissors to follow the original (laughs) six. You might even recall, by the way, that the voice of the puppet in that movie was done by me. I, I then went ahead and stupidly suggested on our No Budget Nightmares group that uh, that I couldn't believe that there was another movie with a stoner puppet in it. 
And someone reminded me that we also covered uh, a Kansas City Cowboys on no Kansas Clowns. What's that fucking movie? Killer Clowns uh, from Kansas on Crack. Killer Clowns from Kansas on Crack, which also uh, had a uh, crack smoking puppet of some sort. The, well, yeah, that right. It was well, also it was, racist. We, I don't know if you. Yeah, I was gonna say, I, yeah, I was gonna say we've burned that one from our memory because of how horribly fucking racist it is. <laughs> so the phone rings at the sheriff's office, uh, and he learns that someone has drained the quarantine tank, and the night manager has gone missing. Um, he also gets another call that uh, from Burt Jones from the Public Works Department that tells him that Roger Clemens didn't check out last night. No, not oh. the famous baseball player. This is another guy named Roger Clemens, I guess. Oh, well, I work for Burt Jones. Burt Jones! Burt Jones! <laughs> I work for Burt Jones! Um, <laughs> oh, God. And then Agent Hannigan comes in to tell them about what they discovered in the tank and all the cells and what all that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. So all of them get together, and they go through the big sewer area with flashlights to see what's going on. Uh, and while they're doing it, Rick keeps grabbing Agent Hannigan's shoulder in a very creepy way. Yeah, I thought that was actually kind of kind of funny as well. Well, this is, by the way, leading into my favorite part in the entire movie. I'm very excited to talk about it. <laughs> so what they do is, uh, we, we see, by the way, there's a giant shadow following them. And that's probably that monster that we keep hearing about. Yes. So Officer Rick finds a big stain on the wall, and he moves in close to smell it, as one does. <laughs> As you're wont to do. They, ba- they basically uh, split up uh, to, to check out this area. And Officer Dan and Officer Rick go kind of follow the clues of these stains. And what they find is a corpse covered in maggots. Yeah. They find basically pieces of this corpse covered in maggots. And what do they proceed to do? Uh, shit, I don't even fucking remember. Well, maybe this will jog your memory, Mo. Oh, right. they both proceed to vomit continuously for many many minutes Uh, yeah uh you would think that maybe you wouldn't want to do that on a crime scene over some evidence on a crime scene but (laughs) i can't help it i love it that one of the i mean this is just classic movie vomiting but there's a part where uh, officer rick He's got his, like, two fingers over his lips trying to block the vomit, and it just sprays out. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's truly my favorite form of, of trying to hold back vomit. Right, right. It always works. So the FBI agent, uh, Hannigan, and the sheriff comes ho- come over to see what all the commotion is about, and we sort of fade out from the scene. And now that starts what will be a series of vignettes of attacks by the monster. Now, is the suggestion, by the way, Mo, that the monster climbs up through people's toilets? That seems to be the idea, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I think we're supposed to think that, certainly. Yeah, it's never explained. So we're inside a house. It's, it's a kitchen. It's, it's implied. It is certainly implied. And uh, a wife, I suppose, a woman, uh, not, all, not that all women are wives, <laughs> but in this case, I think it is. So a guy is about to leave his house, and his wife says, Hey, Buster, and this is, I'm paraphrasing, you cannot go until you clean the toilet in your playroom. Yeah, 
And of course, now he's getting all pissy because oh, I'll clean uh, it later. I want to go. You know, Jesus Christ, man! The, the the unintentional puns today are just coming forth. Anyway, um, and I love yeah. So they get into this big, huge fight about about doing it and uh, cleaning up the toilet. And he goes downstairs, and it's no wonder she's yelling at him to clean the fucking toilet. It's the fucking disgusting. There's piss and shit everywhere. Just fucking everywhere. So he, so this is what I was talking about before. How he just starts attacking the toilet and like screaming like a maniac as he's attempting to plunge it. Uh, you know, water is just splashing up into his face. He screams, it, "Die, die, die!" <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely fucking disgusting and kind of almost brilliant. Yeah, it's kind of it's something else. By the way, the the, the woman in the scene, the wife, she is really quite something. <laughs> Yeah, she's a piece of work. She's a piece of work. She's very, very mean. But when you see the state of that turlet, you can kind of understand where she's coming from. Yeah. Did you just say turlet? Mm-hmm. I did. Oh, okay. That, just, that's what. That's how we pronounce it here in uh, Canada. Uh huh. So anyway, while he's uh, attacking this toilet, a, a big shit monster arises behind him and attacks him. Yeah. And then drags his corpse away. And uh, yeah, and we find out in a moment. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, like everything you just said, he gets attacked by the monster, dragged off, um, and then uh, immediately, what happens? There's they, a news report uh, just kind of explaining that they found human remains in the sewer system. Kind of a superfluous right. report, considering we just saw that happen. Exactly. So the woman calls the cops uh, about the bathroom guy. Um, they go in. The bathroom is now even more covered in shit than it was before, for obvious reasons. Uh, the cop gags, as one would do, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then we notice a motif in the murders uh, that there's uh, writing in shit on the wall. Someone this, has written a message in shit. Right. In this particular case, it says, "Don't get caught with your pants down." Right. Which is not very clever, actually. Yeah. Not. <laughs> but also underneath that uh, little statement, there's actually a uh, written autograph in poop. Of course there is. So Jack Schmidt is signing his work. Uh, so, yeah, so she's freaking out. She's wondering where the fuck her husband is. Uh, she thinks that he, like, messed it up and just took off or something like that. She seems still kind of upset about it. Yeah. So uh, when uh, the two officers are reporting back to the sheriff, uh, or the I think it might be the FBI agent, she asks whether they questioned her about her husband's whereabouts, and they said that, nah, it was just too disgusting. They basically had to take off, and then he says that... We just thought we should mention the Jack Schmidt thing as soon as possible. Dan got pictures of it. Can't wait to see the look on my wife's face when she develops that role. <laughs> <laughs> those jokers. Oh, those those wacky kids. Then we cut to two derelicts. That's that's a nice way of putting it. Yes, they're two bums. I have here in my notes. Mm-hmm. Two. Uh, what are what other words would you might use? I said hobo. Hobos. Two classic movie hobos and they're sitting down as hobos do and suddenly they hear the noise of a can uh <laughs> and we see that a a can is it a beer can that we're looking at i think it's supposed to be because you know hobos love they love to drink that's my understanding well well in fairness with these particular guys that when they start talking they're not talking about like the possibility of there being some alcohol in it they just want it for the money Right, they want to they want to uh, exchange the can for uh, money. Right. 
So they start following this can that's on a string. And uh, they start uh, following it to what appears to be a manhole. One of them reaches into the manhole to grab it, and then something grabs him. Indeed. And we then actually go back to Dan and Rick, who are discussing whether the bum, or the hobo, was telling the truth about seeing his friend be pulled into the sewer and, uh, and eaten by a shitman. There's no such thing. So Mr. Pisspants got drunk and fell down a manhole. Probably washed out to sea or something. Well, it was pretty weird if you ask me. <laughs> well, I didn't ask you, so just shut up. <laughs> I, I do like their interplay especially considering that they yeah. both wrote the fucking thing <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so uh, we do see the sheriff by the way it cuts back at, uh, several times throughout the rest of the movie of, at him drinking to excess at a bar there's a suggestion in the movie that he has some sort of drinking issue yeah I mean we find out later why he yeah. drinks so much that's right we why? do yeah, it's it's so. uh, well, it's an elaboration and a bit of backstory that, while uh, elaborating on his situation a bit, seems a little unnecessary in this wacky comedy. Yeah, that's true, but also if they do, if they did intend on making him more sympathetic, should have done it way fucking earlier in the film. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So then uh, we it says that we're on to day three of this investigation, and we once again see Dan and Rick driving around in their cop car. Talking about the shit monster. Uh, and now, it, let, me ask, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Were there title cards for day one or day two? I think there may have been for day one, but I don't recall if there was one for day two. Yeah, because like, I was paying pretty close attention. I didn't see either of them. And then all of a sudden it said day three. I, mean, I didn't care. Whatever. It's fine. I just thought it was pretty funny that like all of a sudden there's a title card that says day three. It does seem like the kind of thing I would have written in my notes if I saw it on the screen. Right, exactly. So they stop and meet with Agent Hennigan, uh, and she has, I guess, the lab samples. And it basically, this is, again, a very superfluous seat. It does not really make that much sense or be that necessary for what's going on. Yeah. But I guess I got to make the most of that police car. Mm-hmm. So then Agent Hennigan pulls up to a spooky old house covered in fog. This is the spooky house of Dr. Stern, and he is expecting her. So she goes in, and they drink tea. Well, he's actually drinking tea when she goes in. Um, And she passes him the samples to examine. Uh, And he looks at them, and he says that he has never seen anything like it. And uh, basically, there's a suggestion that she suspects something from him, but she's not sure at this point. And he wants to keep the sample because he wants to examine it, because it is very curious what's happened. Yeah, she's, uh, she's sussing him out. Uh, Columbo style. That's right. Yeah, she's about to leave, and she he says she says one more thing. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I got one more question. My wife was wondering about the samples, and I just wanted to talk. <laughs> Pretty good Columbo. I, I was gonna say I can't I can't tell if that's a good Falk or a bad Falk. <laughs> <Yeah. clears throat> my wife. <clears throat> my wife. <laughs> my wife. My, my wife. <laughs> Uh, so uh, Stern, after she leaves, Stern calls the lab, tells Timmy, who I guess works late, <laughs> to assemble a cleanup crew. Timmy is resistant once again, but Stern hangs up on him. So this cleanup crew arrives at the tunnels to find out what the hell is going on there. Uh, Dr. Stern is there as well, and he asks the men to split up and get samples of anything unusual that they see. And uh, very quickly, one of the men get at- gets attacked. By it's a me- it's immediate. Yeah, immediately. I, I got such a fucking kick out of the fact that like they go down there. There's no exploration at all. Immediately, one of them gets killed. And uh, as that person gets killed, 
the, the others hear it and seem kind of freaked out. Another worker has a uh, the giant ship monster come up behind him, and uh, then it fades to black as he gets attacked. We do see Doctor yeah. Stern pull a gun, but he does not have uh, a direct uh, uh, incident with the monster at this point. Right. Now, here, this was a scene that didn't make any goddamn sense to me at all, so maybe you can shed some light on it. All right, so after that happens, we come back to the coroner, who is looking over some photos, you know, and uh, I believe it's it's showing a close-up of several of the wall writing exactly. as well. You know, um, so she's looking at the, at the at the thing, and the corpse, for some reason, starts to move. So she grabs a pair of scissors and stabs it in the head, and it stops. Yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. It doesn't. Yeah, like that I mean, I guess maybe the suggestion is that no one, fucking sense. when the monster attacks somebody and doesn't leave it in pieces, that maybe the cellular regeneration thing that we learned earlier rubs off on it. But there's no real discussion about it. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like it. It's not like it helps them to discover a uh, a means of killing the thing off no not know? at all <laughs> yeah it's like this is this is the pinnacle of superfluous like like honestly like i mean just the stabbing in the head like just the corpse moving part like having the coroner there and having them looking at the pictures actually does sort of help the story a little bit but like it's starting to move and her stabbing it no sense at all it doesn't make any fucking sense whatsoever yeah you're, you're you are correct on that mo but, Yay, I was right. But what does make sense is when Johnny calls Agent Hannigan a little bit later, Johnny, again, is the other FBI agent who's a little more technically minded. And yeah. he's basically telling her that the bacteria that they found is highly carnivorous. Ooh. He also, he seems very convinced that there's some sort of shit monster happening and that it's probably gigantic by now. Yeah. And he also suggests a way to stop it, Mo. What does he suggest doing? Uh, he makes the suggestion of getting it out into the sun to try to dry it out. Yes. And <laughs> the funny thing about the ending of this movie when they finally, uh, spoiler alert, uh, get rid of the monster is that there's a whole bunch of different ways that they come up with to do it, and they end up using all of them. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, we lead into the other suggestion, which is that Johnny calls uh, an entomologist named Professor Downey. Um, and in fact, we learn, by the way, in this scene that Johnny's name is Johnny Waters. <laughs> and he's in Baltimore. Actually, no, he's not. He's he's in the California field office at the FBI, unfortunately. Mm. But what if he was in Baltimore? Wouldn't that be great? It would have been perfect. So why is he calling this entomologist? Because he's interested in uh, obtaining uh, quite a few flies. How many flies? Well, why don't you play the clip and let us know? Well, I, I need you to round up somewhere in the neighborhood of a million. A million? What on earth would you need a million flies for? It, it's a long and complicated story, Professor. Yeah, suffice to say, we we have a rather, you know, delicate situation on our hands. Mm -hmm. how, how much time will you need? I'm quite busy. Okay. Uh, two days will be fine. <laughs> okay, great. Very well. I'm busy. Give me two days. Well, uh, flies are not hard to come by. I'll tell you. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> So the entomologist, yes, he's going to get the flies. Now, why does Johnny want all these flies? Uh, because flies eat shit. Flies eat dry shit. Okay, so later on, the sheriff is drinking in his office with Agent Hennigan. Uh, and um, she, she thinks that the sheriff is very skeptical about the shit monster. But he's starting, I think, to have uh, some doubts whether um, it, 
or I should say that he's beginning to believe that there's something strange going on. Because mm. earlier in a brief sequence, he suggested that it maybe was like one of those giant alligators that grow in the sewer. Right. How, do you think there are giant alligators in the sewer, Mo? Um, I, maybe in some places. Like where? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, uh, the south of Florida, perhaps. Now, Florida. Whew, sounds like a fun <laughs> place to be. Um, uh-huh. Now, Mo, when you were in the sewers in your previous line of work, did you ever worry that you were going to run into some sort of giant creature? Uh, no, no. The most, the, the 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 largest creature you would I would encounter in a sewer would be like an American cockroach. Oh yeah, which are not. I mean, they're big for cockroaches, but that's relatively small for everything else. In this sequence, they do kind of establish what the hell's been going on in this movie, which we've already figured out, but I guess they have to make it very clear that the bacteria from uh, the, from Dutech Genetics mutated with Jack Schmidt's genetic makeup, and now he's turned into a shit monster, which we already kind of knew. Right. But what we didn't probably expect at this point was South Park! This is the craziest fucking moment. Like, like this makes no fucking. Well, I mean, I guess it does sort of make sense for the uh, uh, you know in context of what's happening on screen. But man, is this like so close to copyright infringement? It so is so fuck. I mean, it, it. I mean, it kind of really is. It's so fucking crazy that they yeah. they created for the purpose of a character in this movie sitting down and watching television. They made a fake sequence from an episode of a show very similar to South Park. So yes. so similar, in fact, that you can hear a little clip of it right here. Who the hell are you calling fat, you teabagging bastard? You, fat ass. And you wouldn't be calling me all these fucked up names if Mr. Spanky was here right now. Mr. Spanky? Who the fuck is that? Is that one of your s and pals? No, dumbass. Mr. <laughs> Spanky's a magic pal. Easter turd. Dude, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? I like... I like the fact that the voice of the Cartman character there is very, very similar to the voice of that puppet from earlier. It's the same voice. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, an older, not an older, but like a, a gentleman, an, uh, an aged gentleman. Boy, that's worse than older. Um, a man is sitting down. An, uh, an elderly coot. Yes. <laughs> a man is sitting down watching this television program and laughing when his daughter comes in and says that there's a giant duder in the bathroom. Daddy, there's a giant doo-doo. Yeah. And he says that he's proud of her at first, but she says that she's scared. Because she says that, he do- yeah, he does correct her though. He he, he makes sure that to, to, for her to call it a number two. That's right. And when she says that the number two is talking, he says, "Honey, number twos don't talk." Yeah. <laughs> so he goes in to flush it, and she's like, "No, don't do it," because she's very concerned for his safety. And then he does what anyone would do, which is go into the bathroom and close the door behind him to do this. Yeah. But um, he turns when he's in there, and the shit monster is there. He actually comes out of the shower. <laughs> <laughs> and attacks him while his daughter screams. Yep. Uh, later on, a cop car, the cop car with uh, the two officers in it, pull over an SUV, um, and uh, they suggest that the driver has been drinking. He says he hasn't, but he's actually, I guess, holding a bottle at the time. <laughs> yeah, there's literally a bottle in his lap. <laughs> but uh, they have to let him go because they got a report that uh, that there's been another incident. Boy, you lucky. Boy, you lucky. Rick and Dan talk to the little girl. And they have a sketch artist there uh, getting a description of what the creature looked like that hurt her dad. This is a great moment. This is so great. So what happens first is that they're talking to the little girl and they have this, uh, this back and forth. A giant number two killed my daddy. 
Okay, so a number two, like a number two puppet, like on the TV tubbies with the little gay guy. Was it a big <laughs> puppet? Was it a big number two puppet? <laughs> Look how strangely confused they get about what's going on here. <laughs> so what happens is, like, uh, they're asking for, like, like real detail about what this guy looks like. I look, they, they ask it whether it, if it looked creamy or chunky. <laughs> and so, um, while, by the way, while this is happening, the forensics guy is taking samples. He looks behind a painting and he says, you gotta be shitting me. And when we see that, the what's been written on the wall and shit is you gotta be shitting me. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I laughed at that. That's a pretty good, that's a good get. Like I mean, like no joke. A lot, a lot of the humor in this is pretty funny. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, even yeah, like maybe not like bowl yourself over laughing out loud, but I mean, like most of it is at the very least good for a chuckle. Actually, I would say that this particular sequence with them uh, interviewing the girl, with the guy doing the sketch uh, drawing of it, and the forensics guy taking samples, this might be the best sustained piece of humor in the movie. Because what happens? Yeah. Okay, so they have that conversation with her. The uh, the artist is asking her a bunch of questions, like I said, about creamy and chunky. And he at one point says, "Did it say anything like blah, 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 And he spits all over himself. <laughs> he basically drools down his own face, and it's fucking amazing. It's fucking great. And then he goes, "Did it look like this?" And he shows the drawing, and it's a giant shit monster with a speech bubble that says, "Girl, I ate your dad." On it. <laughs> Which is fucking amazing. <laughs> and you posted that in the group, right? Yes, I that absolutely screen, did. Yeah. It's such oh a beautiful God. picture, man. It is it's great. So good. It's so fucking good. <laughs> and then yeah, you got you gotta be shitting me. The cops get get angry at the guy for scaring her. And then Rick goes, How can a turd kill someone? And Dan goes, I don't know, Rick. That's a pretty weird question. <laughs> <laughs> Back uh, at the sheriff and Agent Hannigan, we learn that in a few days that there's going to be a chili cook-off in the city of Butte, uh, Butte County, I should say. Um, and she says that they have to postpone it. And in a very obvious um, reference uh, or tribute to uh, Jaws, he's, he says that they can't cancel the chili cook-off because the city relies on it for summer dollars. Yeah, right. It is weird for him to be the person <laughs> taking this perspective instead of a mayor-type character. But uh, but she suggests that what they should do is bring in porta potties to keep people away from toilets because they know that toilets are the way that the monster gets to people. The creature is confined to the sewer. <laughs> I love. I mean, I do honestly really love the idea of like a shit monster coming up out of your toilet. I love the idea of any monsters coming up out of your toilet, you know, to kill you. It's but the but the idea of a shit monster in particular is is pretty funny. Well, what about ghoulies? They'll get you in the end. I love ghoulies. <laughs> so Dan and Rick burst in while the sheriff and the agent are talking. Basically, it's for them all to confer and agree on the fact that there is a turd man living in the sewer. Yep. The turd man starring Orson Welles. <laughs> uh, but that smile, though, man. The sheriff takes home Agent Hennigan to, like, to his own home. And this home is decorated in a very unusual Mm-hmm. There's some very strange art on the wall. I believe there's a framed copy of High Times on the wall, which is so weird. <laughs> and this is where we get that uh, sort of elaboration on his background, where uh, she finds a picture of his wife, and he mentions that she died a few years ago of cancer. And kind of wistfully, she says, "I'm sorry." And she's, he's like, "Don't be. You know, I remember all the good times we had together and all that kind of shit." 
You want to know what my notes say? Right Please here? do. My notes say cancer chemo kicked his wife's ass. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so they drink a lot. And then when they finish drinking, he pulls out a flask and they drink some more. <laughs> and it seems like they're going to fuck. But it really does seem like they're going to fuck. There's really no reason that they shouldn't fuck at this point. I mean, his wife is dead, and he's only kind of banging that waitress on the side, I guess. <laughs> but uh, she, she after um, he, he, well, also he's super fucking drunk at this point. Uh, she just leaves because they have. They, she says they. She has to go because they have that meeting uh, first thing in the morning. Right. Exactly. And I'll I'll mention why that's unusual in just a little bit. So. Um, Another newscast talking about the little girl wondering where her father has disappeared to. Then comes one of my favorite parts of the entire movie. So Dan and Rick have taken it upon themselves to announce to the entire city that people cannot use their toilets because of a uh, parasite in the city sewer system. Mm. So they drive around, and this is what Rick shouts out of his megaphone. And this does go on for a little bit, but it gets funnier as it goes, I promise. Hey, you got Tom's bulletin? Yeah, I got the stupid bulletin. Citizens of Butte County, due to the possible presence of a deadly parasite in the city's sewer system, we ask that everyone refrain from using their toilets. The parasite enters the body through the rectum and can cause nausea, dizziness, and possible death through prolonged exposure. We are currently taking steps to contain the parasite and apologize for any inconvenience. If you must relieve yourself, please find an alternate source of disposal. Perhaps you could try crapping in a bucket and dumping it out the front window like they did in the Middle Ages. Or the ever-popular standard of shitting or just wetting your pants. The world's your oyster on this one, folks. You have to listen to everything I say. Because I am a cop and I have a megaphone. Now listen carefully. <laughs> so now we have sh the sheriff and Agent Hennigan uh, meeting with townspeople. Or I guess maybe like a town council or something like that. I I took it as it was the town council. Right. Yeah. And they're concerned about the suggestion that the chili cook-off should be canceled. They're, you know, they're very upset about losing the town's livelihood, apparently. I like how one guy yells, you've brought evil upon us. <laughs> Seems like an overreaction at this point. <laughs> right, right. Well, is that is that the guy who who he basically just says like shut the fuck up or whatever? <laughs> yes. Uh and yeah. th so then uh the agent says that they that there's a strange bacteria in the sewer system. Uh and then they tried to explain that there is a shitman in the sewer, which I don't know was necessarily a good method. Basically, they get laughed out of the office and it fades out and they both leave at the agent and uh the sheriff. But now it's nighttime, so it's weird that the day before they said they had to get up for their meeting in the morning. When now it's nighttime after the meeting. Well, you know, you, you can make the assumption that he has been sitting in the bar drinking all day. By the way, it then goes to the girl telling the story. Remember that there's a girl telling the story? You're right, right. <laughs> it does not. It forgets about her for like 40 minutes straight at this point. <laughs> and then it yeah. goes back to her. Uh, and um, she, she just talks about how everyone thinks that the sheriff is crazy. And in fact, we then go to the sheriff who is sitting and drinking at a bar, and he is talking kind of crazy. Well, yeah, I mean, you start talking about shit monsters, and you're going to get laughed at. So he uh, he gets cut off by the bartender, goes in to use the bathroom, and when he goes in, he sees that there's a picture there uh, of the of like a, on one of those um, 
blackboards, like chalkboards, yeah, yeah. of the yeah. shitman killing him. So Dr. Stern is trying to lure out the shitman, and he's doing it in the classic way. How would you lure out a shitman? Of course, it's a bucket of corn and peanuts. Yeah, this this in and of itself was was pretty funny too. Uh, I, I like the fact. I don't know why. I just thought it was really funny that he took a handful of peanuts for himself. You know? <laughs> it's, it's it's both weird and disconcerting, but also pretty funny. Right, right. <laughs> so he goes into the sewer looking for the shit monster. The shit monster follows him around, and we hear for the first time what the shit monster sounds like, and it sounds like this. to make your acquaintance my friend so dr stern basically tells the shit monster that he is his creator that he's god uh and uh, honestly the shit monster doesn't react very well to that because he says i look like shit i smell like shit i feel like shit (laughs) yeah that that actually might be one of my favorite lines in the entire movie (laughs) yeah it's just great you know like the monster is so self-aware that that (laughs) i look like shit I smell like shit. I feel like shit. <laughs> so Dr. Stern tells the monster, who is very upset at him, he tells him about the chili cook-off coming up, which then gets him very interested. He says that he can pick off the townspeople like flies, which briefly scares him, by the way, which is a bit of foreshadowing. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and, Not flies, no. And Dr. Stern says that if uh, the shit monster lets him study him, if he lets Dr. Stern study the shit monster, that he will help him uh, basically attack the chili cook-off. Yeah, which I I actually think it's kind of weird that he agreed to that, but I mean, hey, whatever. It's 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 he's a shit monster. He can do whatever he wants. So uh, back to Dan and Rick, and they're having a bit, a bit of a fight actually over the fact that um, that the sheriff has become a bit of a laughing stock, and Dan is still oddly skeptical about the shit monster in some ways, <laughs> and he does a very ridiculous uh, impression of Hannibal Lecter saying, "Has the shit man stopped farting, Clarice?" <laughs> and Rick makes a very uh, good point which he says that Dan is acting like an asshole and Dan says who's the bigger asshole the asshole or the asshole who follows the bigger asshole <laughs> 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 uh, back in the office um, Agent Hannigan is looking through a microscope and the sheriff uh, who is uh, I guess nursing a hangover is drinking some Pepto-Bismol except it's not called Pepto-Bismol in this movie what's it called Mo? Called like smootho pink yeah, or like, something. Yeah, like that. I think maybe pseudo pink, but yes, pseudo pink. Yeah, so I, and this is this is some inspired thinking here because she's looking at one of the slides, you know, watching the the cellular activity, you know, of the shit monster, and she's like, "Oh, let me try something," and she grabs a little dropper and adds it to it, and sure enough. Using Pepto starts to kill the monster. <laughs> Honestly. We'll just, we'll just add this onto the pile of ideas for ways to kill the monster. Honestly, it doesn't seem that hard to kill this fucking monster. There's like a thousand yeah. different ways. Any way right. that you get rid of shit would be effective in getting rid of it. And they yeah. only ever use like the four of them in order to do it. Do you think it would be kind of easy to fucking fix this shit? Yeah. So to speak. Right. So they send out Dan and Rick to get as much uh, pseudo pink, Pepto Bismol, as they possibly can, as well as other supplies. Like toilet paper and um, and other things, which we'll get to in just a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the sheriff takes it uh, before he, uh, I guess, gets his shit together. <laughs> he stops at the cemetery where he talks to the gravestone of his dead wife, Stephanie. Uh, Agent Hennigan comes up behind him and uh, she tells him that she doesn't think that he's crazy. And again, why would anyone think he's crazy? They know that there's a shit monster. Yeah, they've seen it. Yeah. So he goes, let's get this piece of shit. 
<laughs> Retrospect, I probably should have grabbed that sound clip. <clears throat> so, uh, the officers and the sheriff, they meet with, uh, uh, what's his name again? John Waters? Johnny Waters? Johnny's, yeah. I, and I, I, love, I love their plan. So, they're like, all right, so the, we, we figured out that the monster is here in this corner. So we're gonna put we're gonna drop you in at this corner, and you're just gonna have him chase you, and it's literally the entire length of the sewer system. Exactly, and you also know? where it comes out is gonna be right where the fucking chili cook-off is. Right, right. <laughs> Basically, exactly. leading the monster exactly where it wants to go. Fucking ridiculous. It's a bad plan, uh, but what I love about it is that he has like a tracking device, and they do it as like a parody of that scene in Aliens where the monster right, is getting right. closer, which is so ridiculous. Yeah, game so, over, man. So the plan is, and you probably already put this together, audience, um, is that they're going to lure the creature out into the sun where it will dry out, then they will unleash flies on it, uh, and that will kill it. Brilliant. The, the entomologist has not yet arrived, so I feel like it's a somewhat premature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what are you going to do? Now it comes time for the everyone involved to get uh, suited up and ready to uh, take on this creature. Uh, one of the things that they have purchased is hemorrhoid suppositories, and they say this. His ought to loosen his stool, but good. But good. They also have adult diapers. This, I, I thought <laughs> that this was like a funny idea, but like ultimately is just utterly ridiculous. It, it goes like a little maybe, too maybe, far. In yeah, maybe a little too far in this particular case, you know, because like, you get the scene. Okay, so, so let's we'll talk. They 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 have adult diapers or and baby diapers too. <laughs> yeah, and they're and they basically armor themselves up with diapers. You know, like I don't understand why. I mean, I get the joke. I totally get the joke. They're diapers. They're dealing with shit. But in what world would that would those diapers help against yeah. the shit monster? Especially just wrapping them around your head and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So they have toilet paper. They have plungers as weapons for some reason. I don't see how that helps either. No. Uh, diapers, uh, super soakers full of Pepto-Bismol. Yeah, which uh, wouldn't work. Yeah, which would... <laughs> well, it's too thick. It would never work. Maybe they watered it down, though. You can't tell them how... And remember, this is not Pepto-Bismol. Right. It's, yes, it's pseudo... <laughs> Pink. Whatever the fuck it's called, yeah. <sighs> so... Um, oh, that's right. And also, uh, the Dr. Stern... This is really confusing as well. He calls his butler uh, and tells him to knock out the sewage treatment plant worker who was supposed to guide, I guess, our main characters into the sewer. Yeah. But that doesn't make any sense. They've been in the sewer a bunch of times. Yeah. What does it fucking matter? Yes. What does it fucking matter? That's a good point. <laughs> so, and also it doesn't help at all. <laughs> so the chili cook-off starts. This is the important bit. Chili cook-off starts. The sheriff and his men go into the sewer, being led by someone who they think is trustworthy, but is actually uh, Doctor um, Doctor Stern's butler. Uh, the butler dresses the treatment plant worker, is showing them around, but um, but he immediately gets killed by the monster. Yeah, yeah, it's it's ridiculous how fast. I mean, I got to stop using the word ridiculous, but I mean, it, it is it's it is how fast he fucking gets killed by the monster. Because, like, he, like, reveals their plan. He's like, ha-ha, you suckers, you know? And he starts to run off, and then immediately gets killed. Yeah, yeah, so it's not a very good plan on his part. No. Um, all of them are looking around. 
the these caves, uh, Dan and Rick, they say, uh, I don't see shit, which I guess is a good thing in this case. Yeah. Uh, but thankfully, we have Johnny uh, keeping an eye on where the creature is. He says it's coming towards them. Uh, by, by the way, while this is going on, Dr. Stern is also down in the sewer, and he's making fart noises and trying to lure out the creature. Like, oh, is that what he is that is that what he's trying to do? Lure the creature out? Because I thought that he was trying to lure the scientists or the the cops away from the creature. Oh, maybe that's what he's doing. That makes yeah. just as much sense. Yeah. Uh, remember the entomologist, by the way, the guy getting the million flies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah. he is driving. We see him get into a truck and have trouble starting it. This part is fucking weird because he does uh, drive to the cookout and he plays this ridiculous song as he drives there. Very bizarre song. Yeah, and the face he's making while he's listening to it is also super fucking bizarre. <laughs> and I love the fact I love the fact that he has his flies in like a cat carrier. Yes, right. Oh, that's right. An open yeah. cat carrier with like the screen front on the on it. So yeah. it's so fucking goofy, which I love actually. I do love that. It's a great joke, but it's it's fucking ridiculous. So uh Rick and Dan, they find out that the um that the worker who is actually uh, Dr. Stern's butler, he gets killed. They see it. They run off. Um, and uh, Johnny tells him to get the fuck out of there and run to the west side. This bit is really kind of weirdly edited. It's hard to tell what the fuck is going on. Dr. Yeah. Stern ends up running directly into the shit monster who says, you have betrayed me. And then he, um, he kills Dr. Stern uh, by first spraying shit water all over him. And it is kind of uh, uh, very nasty. It's grown worthy. It's fucking gross. And then he kind of like fills his mouth with shit. Um, and while saying this, <laughs> All right, we're getting to the end, folks. Let's let's sprint the rest of the way. <laughs> yeah, let's please. I'm cr- I'm crashing <laughs> uh, at the chili cookoff. Someone smells something unusual. Um, the shitman runs outside while yelling "die," and all of our uh, main characters spray it with Pepto Bismol. Just as they're doing that, the entomologist arrives and releases the flies, which are CG. But you know what? They look okay. All things they look considered, fine. yeah, you they know, look what, totally fine. How else are you going to have fucking flies go onto him? Exactly. Um, someone yells, I'll be damned. It's a goddamn shit monster. The sheriff <laughs> was telling the truth. <laughs> we also get a nice close-up of a fly eating the shit monster, which I liked very much. And as the flies eat him and he dries out, his limbs start falling off. Yeah, there's a great little homage to the Black Knight for a second where he's sort of like, you know, dug up to his waist in the ground with his like legs buried so that he can, so that he can stand up. Yes. It's great, actually. It's it's a great visual. So the flies finish him off and basically kill the monster. The uh the monster dead, uh sheriff um and actually not just the sheriff, like all the main characters, they walk out of the um out of the cave into the sunlight, and that leads us into the ending of the movie, which goes back to the little girl in her bed. Her father asks, How does the uh, story end? And she says And then Hollywood bought the story rights and made it into a movie. That cost a hundred million dollars. 
So she screams and pulls their blanket over her head, and that's the end of the movie. Booyah! I don't, like I said, I don't think that the framing story adds anything to what's going on. But like you said, Mo, it sort of kind of explains some of the deficiencies. So uh, I kind of wish it it used a little bit more child logic in it. That would have actually made it. But like I said, it kind of felt like it was a retrofit that it was never designed that way originally. Right. But that does bring us to the closing credits, Mo. And we do get a wonderful monster theme song that plays over the closing credits. Let's have a little taste of it right now. I do like movies that have I'm here to warn yes, you though it must seem absurd to be aware of a giant monster when the shit goes down he may be in your town don't get caught with your pants down <laughs> don't be a fool anyway it, it does it goes on like that <laughs> We're not going to listen to the entire song. (laughs) We're not going to listen to the entire song, but there's a lot of shit puns in there. Uh, There are some notable things in the closing credits. I should mention that that Ken Dashner, a friend of the show, uh, was involved in this production. He did some of the effects. I think he did some of the title work, and I think he might have done some of the camera work as well. So a big shout-out to Ken. Uh, the, the effects in the movie were done by Bloodbath and Beyond, which I think is a great name for an effects place. Yeah. <laughs> There's also a bunch of joke credits, Mo. Did you notice any of the junk credits? I did not bother with any of the credits on this. I didn't, I've actually, that was the first time I've ever heard any of that song too. I didn't hear any of it because <laughs> as soon as, as soon as it went to the, the end, I was done. I shut it right off. So some of the joke credits yeah. include second unit, sponge bath administrator, fluffer, gravy mopper, beast boy, gaffer, which is what the hell's a gaffer focus puller, which is yo mama and hair, which is, was a very bad musical. Well, it wasn't. Everywhere, daddy, daddy, hair. See, see, you, yeah. you get it. I get, you hey get man, it. I get it. But that's not the opinion of the creators of 2003's Monster. We've come to the end of it, Mo. And now that we have, now that we've discussed it for oh so many hours, what is your opinion on Rick Popko's and Dan West's Monster? I think it's a lot of fun. I think I would have had a lot more fun with it if I wasn't taking copious notes. Um, you know, I know that. I probably didn't uh, display uh, a proper appreciation of it in this podcast because I am physically dead, um, you know, mentally drained and emotionally exhausted. Uh, but uh, I did, I did truly enjoy it. I thought, I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was like great, like juvenile humor, um, which when it's done right, I, I is is the best. Uh, but when it's done wrong is the worst. So, you know, whatever. It goes both ways. But, uh, yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. It's it's super dense. But, like, if you're just watching it, you're you're not going to notice that as much. It dense is the word that I would use. It's a dense shit. <laughs> um, uh, a dense turd, I would even say. No, you know what? It's, it's again, it's very ambitious, which I love. And they there's so much work that's obviously been put into it um, that it's almost a shame that that the limitations of the budget were obviously hamstringing them the whole time. Right. So, you know, this movie uh, is a lot of fun, but the fact that they devoted so much of their lives into making sure that it it happened, uh, that it's almost, you almost feel a little bit bad criticizing it, but you know, it has the usual deficiencies that you expect in a micro budget movie. Some of the sound is really bad. A lot of the performances are really bad. Uh, There's a lot of filler, which is considering it's only 81 minutes long is, is really unforgivable. But right. uh, there's there's also sequences that are hilarious, like really, really funny. 
And it's way more professional than especially like 99% of the micro-budget movies that were being made in the early 2000s. True. And I think one of the uh, markers of its success is that they made a sequel using what they learned from it, and the sequel ended up turning out much better than this. Yeah. And this is already, again, a very entertaining movie. Exactly. So I'm going to recommend to the listeners of the No Budget Nightmares podcast that they check out 2003's Monstered. Uh, you can now view it currently at the time that we're recording this on YouTube legally for free, and we will link that uh, in the show notes, and you can find that both on our Facebook group. In fact, it's already over on our Facebook group if you go over there right now. Oh, yeah. Mo- I, also, I also, by the way, recommend it. Oh, do you? Oh, yeah. Uh, it sounded like it was a bit of a question mark there, sir. Uh-huh. Mo, where can people find more about No Budget Nightmares on the internet? Well, if you want to... Uh... Let's see here. Uh, <laughs> they... they... They can uh, they can go on to uh, nobudgetpodcast.com, watch all our archived ep- episodes, uh, listen to, I should say, not watch. Uh, man, my brain is really off right now. Uh, they can go on to Facebook, uh, go to facebook.com slash groups slash nobudgetnightmares. But uh, yeah, that's probably the best bet. Or just search No Budget Nightmares. You can definitely do that. And of course, you can find both Mo and myself on Twitter. Mo is at drunk on VHS, all one word. And I am mm-hmm. at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. You can, of course, find the latest episodes of No Budget Nightmares over at dorkshelf.com. You can find my writing over there as well. Mo has a brand new podcast he wants to tell you about. Yeah, it's uh, called Dead End Drive-In. Um, we are two episodes in currently. Uh, it basically runs like opposite of No Budget Nightmares, or we try to. It is failing, but uh, we try to do... Every other week, the same, the same <laughs> idea, like like we do. It's an idea. It's a concept. It's an attempt, and that's all yeah. you can really hope for in this exactly. crazy workaday world in which we all live. Yeah, we're actually going to be covering uh, Chris Seaver's Geek War on the next episode. That sounds a little too close to the No Budget Nightmares. It is. I told Brandon that too. I said it's a little close. You Brandon, know? Brandon, uh, my man, I know you're listening right now, brother. Let me tell you, man, if you're trying to steal Mo away from me, you are in for the fight of your life. <laughs> no, he's just a big Chris Seaver fan. I know he is. I know. Hey, look, yeah. look, I yeah. always considered that if you die in some horrible accident or maybe just of your own design, that right. I would have to get Brandon to co-host the show as a replacement for you. So, sure. and I mean, that offer is still open. Who knows what the future may bring? In Trump's America, the, the odds of you making it out of 2017 alive are extremely low. Yeah, it's about a 3% chance. <laughs> uh, Mo, is there anything else that we need to announce? I think I should mention to people that you can also check out my other podcast, Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, at ericrobertsistheman.com. Our latest episode features two episodes of this television series, CSI, as well as, actually, this is something notable for fans of this show, the Mark Polonia-directed movie, Amityville Death House. Hey, that's another movie that would fit on no-budget nightmares. True. Or yeah. dead end driving, no, or, or dead end and driving. It does have uh, it does feature an appearance by Eric Roberts' voice in it. <laughs> yeah, uh, we did also fail to mention what the next episode of this show is going to. be. I was just about to do that, Mo. Ah, well, there you go. What is it? It's going to be Heavy Metal Massacre. Stephen DeFalco and Ron Ottavianos. Let's say that uh, 1989's Heavy Metal Massacre, recently released on DVD on a special edition DVD, I believe. By Bleeding Skull. Yeah, we're going to be checking out the legendary Heavy Metal Massacre on the next episode of No Budget 
nightmares. Mo, have you watched any good programming lately? Um, I I recently uh got a one month preview for uh, HBO Now. Oh, nice. So so I've been watching just a metric shit ton of uh, HBO TV shows. Um, I watched the whole first season of Vice Principals, which I really fucking enjoy. Oh, great. Um, I thoroughly recommend it. Uh, I'm annoyed, or not annoyed, but I'm saddened, I guess is the right word, that they're only going to do two seasons. Like, he specifically pitched it as an 18-episode series, and then they filmed everything back-to-back and right. split it and, and split it up. It, the whole thing takes place over the course of one school year, so I'm... You know, so season one is out. They're going to do season two, uh, put it out at some point. Who knows when? Because Danny McBride got to get on to doing that sequel to Halloween. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I mean, like. That's what he's doing. Uh, yeah, I, I know. It's fucking ridiculous. But hey, whatever. Um, And just a ton of other stuff. I started doing a rewatch of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I, I just, you know, it. I'm watching everything I fucking can because the show the oh, I watched the first two seasons of Ballers, which I All really right. enjoyed. I I thought that was good. Uh, I'm just I'm sucking it in like voraciously. Mm-hmm. Suck it, boy. Word. Mm-hmm. I uh, I Mo have started watching the television series Twin Peaks for the very first time. Had you had you not seen had Twin not Peaks? seen it had never watched. Wow. I mean, always intended to. And I remember there was a time when some friends and I were going to get together and start watching it. But our local video store, this is really stupid, but when they released the season sets of Twin Peaks, they yeah. released the first season, but it didn't include the premiere movie of Twin Peaks, uh-huh. and our video store didn't have it. So, I mean, that's like two hours long of material that I would have had to skip, which is incredibly important, by the way, now that, yeah. I, now that I've started watching it. So I, we never ended up getting into it. So with the new series starting soon, I wanted to get on board. Nice. I also mo- saw a movie called Jonathan Wickenheimer II. Oh, no, it's called John Wick 2. Oh. It's good. It's really good. It's really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to, to, to watch it at some point. I really don't know when I'll get down there. I also, um, uh, yeah, you should definitely, I mean, you're going to see it eventually. It, I it, miss, yeah, I missed everything. I've, I'm missing everything. I, I didn't get to see Rogue One, I, you know, I, but whatever. I was, I was way more excited about the idea of seeing John Wick 2 in theaters, but. You know, it's probably not going to happen. That's just disappointing. There's still time. There's time. There, there is time enough there, at last. There is time, but there's no money. Oh, right. You know, time yeah, is money. It, yeah. Does that, was that helpful? <laughs> not really. No. There's actually. I did watch one other thing that will be notable to fans of No Budget Nightmares, and that is, I finally watched Necromantic Two, the sequel wow. to the classic Hurburgh movie uh, that, <laughs> that we uh, we covered on this very show. Uh, what'd you think? Uh, it's not as good as the first one. Yeah, it's it's. There's higher production that's, value. That's saying something. There's color. I like Necromantic as longtime yeah. listeners of the show know. But it's it's, um, you know, remember in the first one, there's there's like rabbit being uh, skinned and and gutted and stuff, and that's yeah, kind of the yeah, big yeah. shock yeah. thing. In yeah, in yeah, the yeah. second one, it's they do the same thing with seals. Everything about the second one just felt like it was trying a little too hard, and um, it also. You know, once you're past the idea of, oh, right, the people fucking corpses, it's just not that explicit. It's just not that interesting. The The trouble with it is that it kind of plays like a romantic comedy where one of the partners has a big secret. And that secret is that they're a necrophiliac, right? <laughs> yeah, right. right. It's a big secret. But 
I really feel like, and this must, this might be a controversial opinion, but I really feel like at the end, the dude should have gotten over the fact that she has this really weird quirk and they still tried to make it work. I think that would have been a much cooler ending because it would have been like that uh, Bobcat Goldthwaite's movie, Let Sle- uh, Sleeping Dogs Lie, right. uh, where if you haven't seen that movie, it's a couple where the female had had sex with a dog and they have to kind of work around it as a couple. Um, <laughs> it's it's an interesting movie. Very interesting movie. But, uh, as most of Bobcat's work is. But that's what, like, I was kind of hoping that at the end that's how it was going to go. But instead, spoiler alert, she cuts his head off. Brilliant. Uh, and then she finds out that she's pregnant at the very end. Hopefully we'll get a Necromantic 3 one of these days. <laughs> yeah. It's not awful. It's just... Uh, it just wasn't as good as the first one, which I know for some people is um, uh, cold praise. Is that a phrase that people say? Low praise. But uh, I enjoyed the first one. Yeah, no, I liked it. doesn't have as much of a sense of humor, I would say. Right. Took himself too seriously. Ain't that the problem, uh, I think. Oh, that Yorg. Yorkin. Mo, it's time for us to say goodnight to people because soon we got to return with Heavy Metal Massacre. Indeed. All right, everybody. And, I, and I'm literally saying goodnight to everybody. Yeah, Mo's got to go to sleep. I've kept him right here the too long. Bed. Yeah. Uh, usually Mo would have to go to work at this point, but instead he's got to go to sleep. Yeah, I'm fucking dead. All right, folks. We'll see you again in a couple of weeks, hopefully, with 1989's Heavy Metal Massacre. Good night, folks. Yes. <laughs>